Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you so much too, Lord. You make this possible, and we ask you to bless us all with uh, wisdom, encouragement today, and um, to know what you what you expect of us, Lord, and uh, and how to also partake of your grace. Amen. All right. We're going to talk about uh, tests prove who is the bride. This is number eight. Okay. This first revelation we called uh, Open Doors Allow Distractions and Demons. And uh, this was given to Claire Pinar, 12-31-21. Mm-hmm. She said, I dreamed Rion had been out all night, and I left the front security gate open with the keys inside it for him. I switched off the lights and got under the bed covers. Our room was completely white, and we had a really plush down feather comforter. And we believe that probably represents uh, resting in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and purity. I was sleeping with um, a little baby boy next to me in a bassinet. And we believe this is probably speaking about um, our spiritual man. Christ in us um, is at rest, right? However, when Rion came home, he entered through the back kitchen door. Well, entering in by the back door is trying to come up another way, as Jesus said, and uh, we all we all have to learn how not to do that. Uh, we must go through the front door, which is Jesus, right? Amen. So she said at 5.30 a.m., four young puppies bound onto our bed. They were beige and tan and quite playful and cute. Well, of course, this would uh, disturb the rest and soil the white bedding, right? So these puppies represent the distractions, she said, of the flesh. Their immaturity represents something that we think is benign in our own lives, but our Father wants all flesh and distractions or idols gone and wants us spotless and blemishless. Amen. And our rest needs to be that way, pure, spotless, and blemishless, right? So, of course, this is impossible if you've got four dogs in the bed, right? And dogs are generally seen as something negative, 
could be demons, could be um, uh, unbelief, whatever. So also the number four represents the world. So this represents the fleshly or worldly distractions, no matter how well-intentioned they might be. Their jumping on the bed uh, frightened me, and they were not ours, so we did not entertain them for a second. Well, we do not accept anything unclean or impure. We are to only accept the perfectly white nature, character, and authority of Christ from his word. Amen. And Rion said, how did they get in? And I realized that I had left the door open in the dead of night. Hmm. So, um, demonic influences of darkness can come in if we leave the door opened, right? And the night was so pretty, and there were fireflies, and I wanted Rion to see that scene when he arrived home. But he did not be, he did not because he came through the back door, okay? Well, we know that uh, Satan is Beelzebub the Lord of the flies, and he uses his flies or demons with their fiery darts when we leave an open door. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rion said there could be two different warnings here. We, we need to make sure everything is closed off to the enemy. No curses can come on us when we abide in the secret place and remain righteous. And, I would say, be humble to the Word, right? There's only one way to enter into the rest, only the front door, which is Jesus. There's no back way into the kingdom, or you'll run the risk of dirtying the bed with dogs, which represent little demons, curses, or fleshly distractions. One of the dogs was named Milo. And Milo means soft-hearted soft uh, and merciful. Well, since these dogs are definitely negative, we, we must not have pity on the flesh or be soft-hearted and merciful towards the demons. You know, we're here to die, right? We're here to lose our life in order to gain our life. And the flesh is our enemy in this battle. And the devil wants to uh, enforce our flesh in any way he can. I asked the Lord for uh, the other names and received the following in my spirit. Reviling, which is to criticize um, or abuse or angrily insult someone. Doubt, which is double-mindedness. And she said, I can't remember the fourth puppy, demon's name. And uh, Rion said, let's make the connections required. Ensure the house of the Lord, which is our bodies, be secured properly to the attacks of the enemy, and that we enter by Christ alone and no other way. Amen. So, she said, I asked the Lord for a word by faith at random and received 2 Samuel 2.11 with my finger on Hebron. 
Hebron means alliance or friendship. Mm-hmm. Well, they say dogs are man's best friend, but dogs are many times negative in the scriptures, and the Jews use the term for dogs as unbelievers, right? Um, and we should have no alliances with dogs or demons. Ephesians 5.11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather even reprove them. You know, um, evil companionships corrupt good morals, the Bible says. So we want to stay pure and holy as we wait for the coming of the Lord. Amen. And this next one we call, The Bride Needs to Pick Up Her Trash. And this was given to Lakeisha Watson on 522. Uh... I dreamed that local UBM was seated in neat rows or columns, and there was a little bit of trash underneath our seats. Uh, well, I believe this probably says that the bride still has a little cleaning up to do, and we know that local UBM just is a representative of a body of people out there in larger UBM, right? So... He does that, just like he uses individual people to represent corporate bodies. So we're talking about here the larger bride, right? It has a little cleaning up to do. I saw David going around everyone and picking up their trash alone. As he got close to me, I felt embarrassed that I wasn't helping him yet, and then I began to pick up my trash. Well, I suppose this is saying the David Manchild ministry that's coming is going to help straighten the disciples out. Last one, Jesus led about his first fruits disciples, and he answered their questions and uh, objected to their unbelief and uh, just uh, any number of corrections and, um, and whatever he gave to them. I had two cans of Sprite. One was empty and the other was partly filled. I remember not wanting to look bad in front of David. And then I woke up. Well, the definition of Sprite is a small or elusive supernatural being, an elf or a pixie, <laughs> an elf-like person. Uh... But my thought is we just need to clean the little demons out of our life. Little things that are contrary to holiness and righteousness and, and submission to the Lord, right? Amen. And then we received this, um, bride tempted to rely on self-works. Okay, so we're t talking about cleaning out the trash here, you know, right? And this was given to Claire, again, 528-22. And she said, I was in a restaurant called Tribes. Uh, a restaurant called Tribes represents the factions in the apostate church who are feeding their false doctrines to people. And they are separated. They are different tribes, different competitions, uh, denominations or demonizations, I call them. I used to work there as a student, 
And many start out as students in, in the apostate church system. True. And uh, I think most all of us did. So two of my bosses from previous jobs were there. One boss was named Carrie, meaning dark-haired. And uh, she represents those who are submitted to darkness, according to 1 Corinthians 11, which speaks of your hair being uh, a sign of submission, right? And dark hair is a sign of submission to darkness. And the other one was Grace Koza, uh, a dark-skinned African. And her last name means fire of God. <laughs> and uh, she represents the fiery trials that the Lord sends uh, to chastise or refine us. Yep, the fire's burning up the wood, hay, and the stubble, isn't it? Amen. Both of my old bosses were trying to get me to work for them, but I refused. I knew I needed to homeschool my children because it's what God requires of me. My husband wants me to do it, too, and I love it, love doing it with my children. Amen. So Titus 2, 3 through 5 says uh, that aged women likewise, uh, 5, to be sober-minded, chaste workers at home, uh, kind, being in subjection to their own husbands, and that the word of God be not blasphemed. Workers at home is a good thing. I don't know how many marriages have been broken up because women went out uh, in the workforce, and so on. And I don't, you know, people would probably, some younger people would call me old-fashioned, but it just used to not be, you know. I think it was war mostly that got the women into the workforce, and they decided they liked it. But it's called workers at home and subject to their husbands is what this is all about here. Both women were trying to tell me that the hours are minimal, and the pay is good, and we need your expertise, and it's remote work. I just wasn't buying any of it. Then they started co commenting on my car and said we could finally be a two-car family, or I could have an upgrade uh, with the extra cash I earned. Well, we know the devil and uh, the desires of the flesh are constantly trying to tempt us to go back to Egypt and uh, its ways and the ways of the world. Now, we're not discouraging any uh, women out there who are single mothers or uh, divorced mothers or whatever, and they're working. Praise the Lord. Uh, we're just talking about the norm for a family with a husband and a wife. What it is in the scriptures, right? Uh, again, I knew the Lord had designed the current situation of having only one car for us to grow in Christ. Having only one car represents our, our vehicle or vessel being one with Christ. Amen? And then they asked questions like, Aren't you bored? <laughs> or why can't you see how much potential you have. Uh, these were to sway me to work for them. Yeah. 
And when I got in my car to drive it, the ignition had been tampered with, and the battery wasn't connecting to the ignition. Well, people around us are often manipulative to try to get us to do what they want because their spirits in them quite often want to get us off track. But we have to resist this to stay in what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. She went on to say they called a girl named uh, Lysandria to come help me drive home. Her name means liberator or free man. <laughs> they think you're in bondage if you stay home and raise your children and do, you know, serve the husband and household, you know. Um, well, I've seen when the factious are overcome by those spirits that they claim that they feel free. And and it's because they have totally departed from the crucified life and the restraint of the Word of God. They do feel free. And then we know, obviously, that they have no conscience. Uh, so now they have this license to excess with a seared conscience, and they can break all the laws of man and all the laws of God. Well, it's the same thing. They're, you know, they want uh, the women to all be liberated and be equal, uh, and so on and so forth. All of this is a trick of the devil. Um, she said, I told her I know how to fix my car, but she would not give me the keys to drive it. <laughs> And Rion had a comment here. He said, The enemy is sending distractions of the world to test God's elect. Dwelling on these distractions disconnects us from the power of the Holy Spirit that we need to power our vessels. Amen. I looked at all these people and I said, uh, I'm happy with my life. Thank you for your interest in me, but I serve the Lord. And Rion said, Amen. Another opportunity to choose the Lord by His grace. Amen. I tried to fix my car, but the thought to pray and lay hands on it uh, could not get from my brain to my dream. <laughs> I was so freaked out at not remembering to pray in faith. What was I thinking? And then I woke up. Well, this was particularly perplexing because I felt my conscious mind start to pray, but in the dream, I had lost the thought to do so. I don't know, I guess, uh, how often when faced with adverse circumstances do we think of everything we could do in the flesh to save ourselves or provide for ourselves or whatever, uh, but we forget to pray until we have exhausted all of our self-efforts and wasted an awful lot of time and probably money, right? We, we need to pray first and be in the will of God and always walk by faith because miracles are impressive and we, we need a testimony. 
So she said, wow, that's uh, the power of the enemy when it comes to flattery of the self and offering the things of the world. The spirit man immediately decreases in power. It's evident that even thinking or dwelling on fleshly thoughts are, are opening uh, for the enemy to take hold and suggest self-efforts to stop your prayers of faith. Amen. And then she woke up. Well, the righteous shall live by faith. Well, that's a supernatural life. Um, we see answers to faith that we could never arrive at through our own works. And it wouldn't be fruitful if we did arrive at it through our own works, right? But the righteous shall live by faith in the promises of God and not their own ingenuity. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him, the Lord says. So we must learn to cease from our own works to enter into the supernatural life through faith in the promises. Amen? Well, here's another one given to Claire Pinar, 528.22. The bride body distracted by serpent spirits. Very similar. And um, she said, I, and we believe representing the bride here, I dreamed I was going to go away to Durban for two nights. Durban is a port city of eastern South Africa. Currently, over the past two months, the weather warfare over this region has been relentless with much devastation. The reason for my wanting to go there was that I wanted to spend some time with the Lord. Durban is a year-round resort city, which uh, represents being in the rest. Well, the bride is always seeking the Lord in sanctification, and she is at rest knowing that Christ in her will do the works. Amen. I was at the airport to fly, and flight can represent overcoming the world, right? She said, my friend Kelly, meaning strife and war, hmm, uh, was there, and... She said she was going to Durban, too and that she would show me around. Well, as we will see, Kelly represents warring serpent spirits that attack our minds. Um, she said, I didn't need that. All I wanted was a hotel room to be with the Lord. I kept being friendly to her, but it was clear to me that we were going for two different reasons. I was going to be with the Lord, and she was going for a weekend of partying. Well, we must not be friendly or welcoming, kind of like with the pups, right, uh, to the enemies. Thoughts or distractions, or we may get caught up in them, right? You know, uh, Rion made a point here. He said, Kelly represents the strife of, or war on our thoughts that come in to try and distract us. We must fight against these tactics of the enemy. 
It seemed she was flying with me in the same airplane, and when we touched down in Durban, she told me her mother was there and I could stay with her. Hmm. I said no and told her that I wanted to get to my pre-booked hotel room. Well, that's because we should avoid putting ourselves under the mother church, which will lead us back to being under the law or apostasy, right? Instead, Kelly took me to another very fancy hotel, and we walked around the top level of it, where there was an extremely opulent restaurant. I was very impressed with the restaurant, but I did not feel like I belonged there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe this restaurant represents um, partaking of the wrong kind of spiritual food. The uh, flesh loves to indulge itself with opulence, meaning wealthy, rich, or affluent. Um, all of this tends to influence us to pride and competition instead of humility. And this reminds me of a dream my friend had of going into a tall building looking for Jesus. He went to the top floor, and when the elevator door opened, he saw a dragon. So he quickly went to the bottom floor, and there he saw Jesus teaching his disciples. And of course, it was a uh, a recommendation to humility, uh, to accepting a lower place and not being puffed up and not wanting the penthouse and so on and so forth, you know. She kept on wanting to get us a table outside and sit right next to the bar, but I kept on saying that I wouldn't, that wouldn't be wise, okay. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. Mm -hmm. The tables were big, and we eventually sat down, and I was amazed at the good service and amazing food. And then I noticed a golden calf right in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> I thought, I can't eat here, and uh, we should not eat uh, the food of idolatry, right? We know it represents the uh, northern ten tribes who made their own priests <laughs> who warned our danger of God and worshiped the golden calf, calling it Elohim. And it represents uh, the apostate church, too. So the Israelites made a golden calf and called it Elohim because they wanted a God that would allow them to return to the ways of Egypt because that's what they worshipped in Egypt, right? And if we allow ourselves to indulge in the food of idolatry with our fleshly nature and mind, then we get swept up with worldly distractions and become more and more antichrist in our thinking. Amen. I walked as waiters brought food to the people. I watched, excuse me. And there was uh, some excellent-looking salmon that was beautifully presented and plated, etc. But I did not have anything on my plate. 
And Rion said, We should only partake of the bread of the word, which is our spiritual food. And to us, their food, by the way, is, is vanity and uh, not food for the spiritual man. All the opulence and so on. Then in the dream, I had a vision of Rion walking with our son, Daniel, on the beach in front of my pre-booked hotel room. I really wanted to be part of that scene rather than all this action in the restaurant. And that's what I had come for. Time to rest with the Lord. And Rion said, The bride is the one who only loves Jesus as her husband and longs for the fruit of Christ and to be part of Abraham's promised seed of Israel by faith, uh, represented by the sandy beach. Mm -hmm. So I kept trying to get to the pre-booked hotel room. It was difficult. My legs were like lead, and I could not will myself to get up and get going. You know, uh, the feeling, right, when you want to do spiritual things, but you're just having trouble getting there, right? And then she said, I woke up. And she said, I believe I was experiencing witchcraft in the dream. And also, this is a warning that the enemy will try various stall and delay tactics to distract and try to derail those who are part of the corporate bride body. It's true, of course. It's a test, right? The world has a seducing influence that weakens our spiritual man. And this seduction is a distraction. How many times when we sit down to read the word of the Lord or do things um, spiritual, uh, things pop in our head that we feel we need to go and do, uh, which by comparison are totally unimportant. And this is, of course, a test, isn't it? It's a choice being made in our mind, right? And a lot of vanity is thrown at the bride, right, to distract. Okay, here's one given to Eve Brast, a testimony that she had, 12-21-19. It's very good. Bride, weak, but saved by the word. Amen. And I think that this is a most important revelation for this time, and I believe that God had Eve act out a warning for those who are contending for the bride and even life itself. This will help many to repent of distractions, of addictions to Internet, politics, hobbies, sex, excitement, etc. So they can concentrate on running the race to bear fruit before someone takes their crown and they're delivered over to the dragon. Amen? So listen to her testimony. I would like to share a recent experience that led to God giving me this dream. I hadn't realized how far I had gotten away from the foundational teachings that endeared me to UBM until recently. Um... And, of course, this recently is back in 2019. Until recently, uh, when I first came to this ministry, I fed on Sovereign God and the Real Good News series for months and months. And it gave me a hunger and an excitement 
to read the Word. I had never really understood the Bible before listening to the panoramic Bible studies and reading Hidden Manna for the end times. Slowly through the years, because of uh, persecutions and trials of my faith that I had that I had failed, I began listening to the voice of discouragement. And I found myself worn down, kind of on autopilot, uh, just going through the motions with faith and belief. And I said I believed for different situations, and I knew all the right things to say, but deep down the fears and doubts were screaming all the what-ifs and to, uh, to my mind. And over time, the enemy came in very gradually and with great stealth to steal all the wonderful foundational truths that I had started out with. And this put my spirit man into confusion and made me weak to fight against the wiles of the devil. And recently I had been struggling with my flesh over the entertainment of watching YouTube videos, which was eating up all of my spare time. I was addicted and no longer in the Word or feeding my spirit man to keep him strong and defended against the enemy. And my conscience knew that I hadn't been a good steward of my time. I knew I was in a battle with my flesh. First, I moved the YouTube app to the last page on my phone screen, hoping that it would give me enough pause to reconsider getting on it and wasting time. But that didn't work. It only took a second to flip over to the last screen page and uh, click the app. Well, this really frustrated me and caused me to keep falling into condemnation, which wasn't helping the situation at all. I finally got so sick of the battle that I deleted YouTube from my phone altogether. And since I had been uh, so addicted to watching it, I would still, out of pure habit, pick up my phone to get on YouTube. Then I would realize it was no longer accessible on my phone, and then spiritual sanity would kick in. <laughs> I was then able to go and read uh, the Word or spend time in prayer or listen to the foundational teachings that are now strengthening my faith and belief again in the promises of God. I finally feel like my spiritual life and relationship with the Lord is being restored and I don't even miss the YouTube videos at all. It was all just useless distractions, a plan of the enemy to render me ineffective for the kingdom. Oh, it could be a lot of things. Could be music, could be that, could be, you know, uh, political things, you know, could be a lot of things to distract. I hope this testimony and dream below will be helpful, and it, and, uh, and an, an admonishment, as it was for me, and an encouragement also to all of my UBM brethren. Amen. And she called this forgetting the place of rest due to distractions. Eve Brast, 12, 21, 19. 
I dreamed that I was at a huge hospital slash hotel complex. Sounds like a uh, the church, what it should be, right? The bride is like a hospital and hotel in that it is a place of healing and it is uh, many houses built together into a holy temple in the Lord, as Ephesians says. Amen. It had a seven-story parking garage attached to the building, as well as several other huge parking lots surrounding the premises. The parking garage represents our, our vehicle or body at rest from works, through faith that come from the promises of God. And then she said, This hospital slash hotel represents the kingdom of God where His righteous servants accommodate those entering the kingdom and minister the healing of the water of the word to them. Ezekiel 47, 9-12 And it shall come to pass that every living creature which swarmeth in every place whither the rivers come, that's the rivers of the waters of life, right, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, for these waters are come thither, and the waters of the sea shall be healed. And everything shall live whithersoever the river cometh. The waters of life. Amen. And it shall come to pass that fishers shall stand by it, from Engedi even unto Aneglium, uh, shall be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish shall be after their kinds, as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Yes, we're talking about those who are saved by the waters of the word, right? But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given up to salt. Remember uh, uh, the salt of um, Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> and it was taken over? Well, I think they represent the waters of the word that are not living and active and healing. Living waters are called so in the Bible because they are moving and constantly being refreshed from above. Uh, whereas these miry places are the swamp of a dead religion, even dead right doctrine that doesn't meet the need, right? And people just have doctrines to have doctrines to make them different from other people, which is kind of silly right, or better than other people, which is silly. So, here are the living waters that heal. Verse 12, And by the river, upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow every tree for food, whose leaf shall not wither, neither shall the fruit thereof fail. It shall bring forth new fruit every month, because the waters thereof issue out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for food, and the leaf thereof for healing. So the seven-story parking garage represents the seven days of creation in which God 
rested on the seventh day and the seven 1,000-year days. And now we are commanded to keep a continual Sabbath rest from our own works and efforts, right? And I might say also the seventh day of rest from our works was the highest, most mature point in the building, uh, a goal that we all must reach. Amen. So along with this revelation, Eve received by faith at random in our morning prayer meeting on, at that time, um, this text about entering the rest, and her finger was on, believed. Believed, do enter into that rest, Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. Let us fear, therefore, lest happily a promise being left of entering into his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. So it's obviously very important. We should fear uh, to not keep the spiritual Sabbath, ceasing from our own works, right? For indeed we have had good tidings preached unto us, even as also they. But the word of hearing did not profit them because it was not united by faith with them that heard. So they needed to take the promise and unite it with faith or it won't do you any good, right? Amen. So that's why we are given the promises so we can lead this spiritual life of Christ in you, right? For we who have believed do enter into that rest. There it is. If you believe on the promises, you cease from your works, because they were finished from the foundation of the world. Amen. Even as he has said, as I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere on the seventh day, on this issue, uh, on this wise, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And in this place, again, they shall not enter into my rest. Seeing, therefore, it remaineth that some should enter thereinto, and they to whom the good tidings were before preached failed to enter in because of disobedience. I believe the word there is apithia, which also means unbelief. Um, he again defineth a certain day, uh, today, saying in David, so long a time afterwards, even as hath been said before, today, if you shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken afterwards of another day. There remaineth, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And this word for Sabbath is sabbatismos. It's the only place in the Bible I believe it's used, meaning a continual rest. There remains one Sabbath for the people of God in the New Testament. It's the sabbatismos. And it's a continual rest from our works, not just one day. Okay? For he that hath entered into his rest hath himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore give diligence to enter into that rest, that no man fall after the same example of disobedience. Notice that our works are disobedience and 
cause a fall. And um, cause of a fall. So, uh, we, of course, have entered into the seventh day, the Sabbath, and uh, the 7,000th years, as was mentioned. And uh, this is an important time where God is demanding that we cease from our works because His coming is soon. And I was, uh, it was dark outside, and throughout the whole dream, I was walking around over all the multiple parking lots trying to find my vehicle because I had forgotten where I had parked it. And she said, this is a very dark time and we can't afford to stray away from the living word and the place of rest. Everyone, of course, must find his or her vehicle at rest because of the word living in them. She went on to say, the vehicles in the parking lot represents our lives at rest while God is doing the work. Amen. We, we get to see God's works when we cease from our own. His power is made perfect in our weakness, right? She said, I was so frustrated that I couldn't find my vehicle. And in the dream, I had a, a rechargeable flashlight that Brandy had bought for me in real life. And I was trying to use it to help me find my vehicle. But it kept flickering uh, and going out on me because I had failed to recharge it. And uh, she said, this represents failing to consistently stay in the Word and recharge our mind and our faith. And when we get away from the Word, it becomes dark to our spiritual sight and our discernment suffers. We become uh, easy targets for the enemy to distract us and to get us out of the faith and the rest. The flashlight would stay on for about 30 seconds and then flicker off. I would then turn it off and wait a few minutes and to see if it could, I could turn it back on. Sometimes the battery comes back up just a little bit, and you can do that. It would have enough juice to stay on for a few more moments, and then it would go dead again. And the verse that came to her was Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Of course, we need consistent vision to be able to walk in that way, right? You can't walk and then stop and then wait and then walk and stop. <laughs> no. Nope. And we have to walk. Proverbs 20 and 27 says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. So the wise virgins had oil in their lamps, and the rest were distracted and missed the king when he came, right? And no doubt they thought that they were ready. In the parable of the sower, three of four were distracted, and they didn't bear any fruit, and they didn't enter in. Amen. Matthew 13, 19 through 23 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the evil one and snatches away that which hath been sown in his heart. 
This is he that was sown by the wayside. And he that was sown upon the rocky places, this is he that heareth the word, and straightway with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while, and when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, straightway he stumbleth. You know, a lot of people, they don't want to hear the word come out of our mouth. They they quote back to you their carnal reasoning, and they persecute you because you believe something that to them is silly, right? And people fall away in such instances as this because they are more, uh, have a greater desire to please people around them than they do the Lord. But if we confess him before men, we will, he will confess us before the Father. And that's why a lot of people fall away. Verse 22, And he that was sown among the thorns, this is he that hears the words and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, chokes the word, and he becometh unfruitful. And he that was sown upon the good ground, this is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, who verily beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, and some sixty, and some thirty. So one out of the four. Finally, it quit working altogether, the flashlight, and I was really regretting forgetting to charge it back. Well, charge up your spirit man in the Word to find your body at rest from fruitless works. That's the vehicle, right? James 1, 21 through 25 says this, Wherefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. The seed of the spiritual man is that implanted word. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding your own selves. For if any one is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He's likened to a man beholding his natural face in the mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth away, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But he that looketh into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and so continueth, being not a hearer that forgetteth, but a doer that worketh, this man shall be blessed in his doing. And, of course, we're taught the gospel is to behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and be transformed into that same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. So that should be our attention, right? Coming into his image, believing that you have received that image. I made my way back inside the hospital slash hotel and as I walked into the lighted lobby, I suddenly remembered that I had parked my vehicle on the fifth floor of the parking garage. And then she says, uh, in parenthesis, uh, getting back into the light of the Word and the kingdom will renew our minds and help us to get back to the foundational principles 
that saved us in the beginning from that old nature and its curses. Amen. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I approached a blonde-haired lady, and she says, representing being submitted to the light of the sun, yes, who was dressed in a pink knit top, representing the color of love, that worked there, and I asked her which elevator led up to the fifth floor of the parking garage. And um, she said, <clears throat> the number five symbolizes God's grace, goodness, and favor towards humans, and is mentioned 318 times in Scripture. Five multiplied by itself is 25 and represents grace upon grace. Amen. She pointed to my right over to an isolated silver service elevator um, and said, it's right over there. In other words, the way to the fifth floor. So I walked over to the elevator and pushed the button to go up and the door opened almost immediately. And as I was stepping in uh, to the elevator, I noticed a very tall, thin, homeless man at the back of the elevator. <laughs> and she said, this represents the old man who lost his house to the new man, but constantly works to gain it back again. Amen. He wants to control that old house, right? He's a homeless man. He should be. She said he had on tan jeans and a tan and maroon plaid long sleeve shirt. There's those negative colors again. <laughs> Representing the works that are not white. Uh, an unclean heart and walk. <clears throat> this man, she says, represents my old man, nature who is in rebellion to the Word of God, represented by the tan color of his clothing. Tan was the color of the Nazis' uniforms, too. The maroon color uh, in the plaid shirt represents the blood that the old man is guilty of. And she gives Revelation 16 and 6 here. For they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, and the blood hast thou given them to drink. They are worthy. Mm -hmm. The old man's got to die. He can't be rejuvenated. <laughs> he had long, wavy, dirty blonde hair and a matching beard. He was dirty and his clothes were dingy. I immediately didn't feel comfortable being on the elevator with him and tried to step towards the quickly closing elevator door, but it was too late. The doors closed, and the elevator started going up. This homeless man began talking about all the bad things that could possibly happen and speaking all sorts of word curses to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he will rob your faith in uh, resulting fruit. 
many people have heard his voice. All kinds of discouragement and lies and things contrary to the word. And we're supposed to cast them down. This is our battlefield, right? I kept casting it all down and countering it with statements of faith, but he wouldn't shut up. I began pushing buttons indiscriminately, trying to stop the elevator on any floor just to get away from the homeless man and his evil mouth. So I know a lot of you out there know what I mean what, or what this is talking about. You know, um, David teaches a, a good parable, she said, about Joshua conquering the five kings who represent the five senses of our fallen nature. These are the things we rely on when we listen to our old man of the flesh and rely on his senses. Amen. Joshua 10, 16 through 27. And these five kings fled and hid themselves in the cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings are found hidden in the cave at Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll great stones unto the mouth of the cave and set men by it to keep them. Well, I believe the rocks represent Jesus, the Word, covering our mouths, which causes us to resist such thoughts and words. And then we can put to death the old man. We can't conquer our promised land so long as the old man is permitted to speak from our mouth what we've learned from the carnal senses. You understand? We're not to be following our carnal senses. We have our senses renewed, right? Born again. Isaiah chapter 11, 2 through 4 says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither decide after the hearing of his ears. Okay, again, our carnal senses. And they war against our spiritual senses. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Mm-hmm. Well, back to our, our text in Joshua 10 and we're in verse 19 here. But stay ye not Pursue after your enemies, and smite the hindermost of them. Suffer them not to enter into their cities, for the Lord your God hath delivered them into your hand. And it came to pass, when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they were consumed, and the remnant which remained of them had entered into the fortified cities." that all of the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace. None moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. I guess not. Then said Joshua, 
Open the mouth of the cave, and bring forth those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so, and brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave, uh, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. And it came to pass, when they brought forth those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the chiefs of the men of war that went with him, Come, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. Well, and of course they did that so that they couldn't speak. They couldn't speak out of the mouth of the cave because the stone was blocking their speech, right? And the mouth represents our mouth. So they can't speak because their foot is upon their neck. And uh, and they are, in effect, uh, putting to death their spiritual... Um, when they do speak, they put to death our spiritual man. And But if we don't let them speak, we put to death the old man and they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them and joshua said unto them fear not nor be dismayed be strong and of good courage for thus shall the lord do to all of your enemies against whom you fight amen that's the number one you have to whip if you whip this one you get the rest of them all right so she said we must fight the good fight of the faith and defeat the fleshly enemies in our promised land. Amen. Well, by not permitting their distractions, their thoughts, words, we're win. And if we get distracted by the things of the world and forget to recharge our batteries, we will have no power to resist the old man. Our minds will be full of worldliness that has no power over self. We know three out of four fall away because of this in the parable of the sower, right? And verse 26, And afterward Joshua smote them and put them to death and hanged them on five trees. That's the crucified life right there. They put them on their cross. And they were hanging upon the trees until the evening. So the old man was crucified, right? And it came to pass at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down off the trees and cast them into the cave wherewith, or wherein they had hidden themselves and laid great stones on the mouth of the cave unto this very day. So we see that the old man cannot speak with a uh, rope around his neck or dead in the cave and uh, blocked by the word, right? The rock of the word. So back to Eve's dream. Suddenly the elevator jammed and we became stuck between the fifth and the sixth floors. <laughs> Well, that was falling short of reaching the seventh floor of rest because the old man is speaking, right? And when we allow fear and anxiety to rule us, Eve said, allowing the old man to speak, we become stuck 
in a nowhere land between faith and rest and the words of, uh, of man and the flesh. James 1, 2 through 7, she gave, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations. Well, there she was stuck in the elevator with the old man talking, right? Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. So patience in your trial, right? Yes, he can't hurt you. Just ignore him. Cast down all those vain imaginations, right? Verse 5, But if any of you lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally, and upbraideth not, and let and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting, for he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So we uh, can't really afford to not receive what we need from the Lord, but the word brings forth faith, but distractions bring double-mindedness, which in the Greek means two-souled, two-souled. In other words, you've got two people in there, two souls, the, the uh, mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit, right? Romans 10 and 17, so belief cometh of hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, Amen. We've got to stick with the Word. The door opened momentarily, and I could look down and see several blonde-headed people gathered near the elevator on the fifth floor. They were talking and laughing and enjoying each other's company. And Eve said, uh, These represent brethren who are in the rest, having faith towards God, and submitted to the Son, S-O-N slash S-U-N, and the Word. The door then closed quickly because the elevator sensor realized that it, it was between floors and that the situation was unsafe. Well, when we uh, hear the convicting Word, uh, the door is open, but it doesn't stay open for long. Because disobeying our conscience defiles it, and it, it speaks quieter and quieter until we don't even hear it anymore. So we see this is a, an unsafe condition that we must avoid, or uh, be one of those three out of four who uh, bear no fruit. Amen. And she said, the homeless man continued talking and saying things that put fear into my heart. Yes, that's true. Don't let him talk. I began pacing inside the elevator, and I was starting to panic uh, that no one would hear my calls for help and that I would be stuck there forever. <laughs> well, we know that some will never break free from the old man's words and forever be fruitless. But you see, education helps us here. We, we get, uh, we're gaining an understanding 
that we cannot listen to that. We must rebuke it and any demons that are behind it, right? And cast down these vain imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And he said there was no roof on this elevator so I could see the shaft above. Oh, so she could look through the roof and see where she was supposed to be going, right? <laughs> so looking upwards in the shaft towards the seventh floor, representing seeing the end from the beginning, which is what faith is all about, right? We, we got to see what is ours. And the scripture by the promises tell us what is ours. Luke 8 and 14 says, And that which fell among the thorns, these are they that have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. Hmm. The word here for perfection uh, is telospereo, which means to bring to completion with the end in view. So she could see up the elevator, she could see the end, um, and uh, that's what we do by faith. We see the end as ours, right? So these people who get distracted with the cares of the life, they, they don't bring any fruit to perfection because they don't have the end in view. And this is how the gospel works, right? This is the only place in the Bible where this particular word is used, telosphereo. And it reminds you of calling the things that be not as though they were. And we have to have the end in view by faith before we can arrive there. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 again. But we all, with an unveiled face... This is, of course, we have to be unveiled. We have to see what the gospel actually is talking about. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Notice they see Jesus in the mirror before they are transformed into that image, even as from the Lord the Spirit. And he said, then, as I looked up the shaft, I glanced over to my right, and I saw what looked like the attic of a house. Well, again, the attic is at the top, right? It kind of looks like this is a parallel here. Uh, the attic is a parallel vision representing looking up the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was lined with pink fiberglass insulation in between all the wooden rafters. Hmm. And she says, uh, pink represents love. I noticed a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little boy who was toddler-aged. He was dressed in just a white cloth diaper with a diaper pin. He was walking precariously, balancing on the wooden rafters in between the pink fiberglass insulation. He was happy and didn't seem aware of any danger. And she said, this represents our spiritual fruit of Christ in us having been born. 
in other words, seeing by seen by the world, you know, when the fruit is born, then the world gets to see your fruit, right? Otherwise, before that, it's hidden. So, our spirit man or uh, man-child is only in danger when we are listening to our old man and not looking up towards God. See, the, the man-child was carefree here. This fruit, her fruit, her spiritual man was carefree here. Um, in those heavenly places, right? Uh, she said, our old man will be put to death and our new spirit man if we are not receiving grace from God because of our rebellion and self-will. Yeah, and you know, our, our spiritual man of Christ in us will fall from his high position in God where the rest is, Right? And uh, Eve gives Romans eight twelve through 17. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Notice that's conditional. We came here to die, just like our Lord. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you received not the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When you hear the old man, you fear, don't you? Yeah. And uh, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. We've inherited it all, even before it's happened. We behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we're transformed into that same image. Uh, if so be that we suffer with him. There's a condition again, suffering. We suffer with him. We suffer the death of the old man. We deny him his right to live. Amen? That we may be also glorified with him. The condition. There's a condition. Some people ignore these. She said, I told him that he needed to get down from there immediately because this was a fear in her heart, you know, before he got hurt. So he obediently came over right away and crawled down into my arms. Well, when we're in fear, the spiritual man is in our hands and in danger. He can't retain the high place in God, those heavenly places in God, and we fail to attain to the corporate bride or man-child body. And Eve went on to say, As I held him, I was thinking of a way that I could escape this situation, but fear and despair were dominating my mind as the homeless man continued to talk. <laughs> yes, the wonderful parable here. There seemed to be an urgency to find my vehicle, which was, of course, at rest, needed to enter into the rest, right? And I was becoming anxious and fretful because of all the thoughts that were running through my mind. But the little boy didn't seem worried at all. 
<laughs> the spiritual man is the one with faith, but he must be permitted to speak it, right? And then she gives Second Corinthians ten three through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen. And then I woke up, she said. And... Um, she gives these verses, which we received by faith at random at this time for the morning meeting that kind of confirmed this dream, right? And Eve got Matthew 17 uh, and 20. And um, she gave 17 through 20. And Jesus answered and said, O faithful, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon went out of him, and the boy was cured from that hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast it out? And he saith unto them, Because of your little faith. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence and to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Yes, speak those words of faith. Move those mountains. And Tim got Second Samuel 22 and 29, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. And Missy got First Peter one thirteen through twenty five. Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and set your hope perfectly on the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you have the revelation of Jesus Christ? Well, you look in the mirror and you're looking at that revelation. And that's who you are now. You don't live anymore. Christ lives in you. That's a revelation. When you get that, you can have this grace, right? A lot of people don't have that revelation. They go to church all the time, but they don't have that revelation. Because we don't live anymore. Christ lives in us. This is the good confession before many witnesses, right? And 14 says, As children of obedience, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts in the time of your ignorance, but like as he who called you is holy, be ye also yourselves holy in all manner of living. Because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to each man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear, knowing that you were redeemed not with corruptible things, with silver or gold from your vain manner of life handed down from your fathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb without spot, even the blood of Christ." 
who was foreknown indeed before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in the end of times for your sakes, who through him are believers in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope might be in God. Amen. And verse 22, seeing that you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. You see, many people, don't they believe this is just works when you obey the truth. No, you're purifying your soul, and you can see it, actually see it from the beginning. Um, seeing that you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth, unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another from the heart fervently. So we should be seeing again all the way up the elevator to the end, up into the, the ceiling, you know, uh, with the man-child. He is our perfect fruit, right? Verse 23, Having been born again or begotten again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God. Are you putting that incorruptible seed in your heart? It's the only thing that brings forth the fruit. The thoughts of the old man, the ways of the old man, the distractions of the old man cannot give you any fruit that will endear you to the kingdom. So it's through the word of God which liveth and abideth, he says. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory thereof is the flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower falleth, but the word of the Lord abideth forever. And this is the word of good tidings which was preached unto you. <clears throat> and Leon got Matthew 25, 3-13. For the foolish, when they took their lamps, took no oil with them. I would say that's the oil of the Holy Spirit, right? And you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. You have to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight there is a cry, Behold the bridegroom. Come ye forth to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Peradventure there will not be enough for us and you. Go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went away to buy, the bridegroom came. Uh-oh, missed him. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour. Amen. No time for distractions, right? The moral of this story is stop being distracted by the old man with things that have no eternal value or you will not bear fruit and will miss the bride and possibly heaven itself and will become a victim of the dragon. Mm -hmm. 
Debbie Finsky had this word that she gave to us, 530-22. Jesus is so desirous of us. Last evening, during our worship and praise to the Lord Jesus, I began discerning quite heavily that he wished to speak something to us. We were singing, Great are you, Lord. I discerned that it was not that he did not welcome our worship and praise, he did, but I knew something was on his heart. So I said to him, Jesus, please speak to me what is on your heart for us. I shared what Jesus was speaking to me through these first two songs after we had uh, sung them. He was saying, Do you know how I, I wait for you? I long for you to draw near to me. And though you do come before me, there is so much unrest, so much anxiety over other things that you must accomplish. How I need you, my people, to desire me, to desire to come before me, above all things, spending time with me in quietness and rest. For when you do come before me, there is hurriedness, unrest, anxiety. Where is the quietness? Where is the rest? Then the Lord led us to sing eagle's wings about our yearning for him and about our waiting for him but as we sang this to him he was waiting he was wanting us to hear him directing them to us oh my children how i wait for you i wait for you to come to me to abide with me in my presence let me draw you let me bring you to your knees. I am your quietness, your rest, your strength. I am all that you need. Hear me, my children. Even the very works that you do for my kingdom becomes mere works when you give me so little time where first you should come you should receive from me anointed strength and supernatural refreshing. You cannot find these things in yourself through the good things that you do for others or for my kingdom. Time with me in quietness and calm is of the essence, for I will even expand time for you, time especially to do all that I have given you to do for me and my kingdom. I know your heart's desire to glorify my name, Know that my heart's desire is for you, my people, to find your rest and your quietness in me alone. So come rest with me. Then we sang to the Lord in your presence. During the song, I received a vision of Jesus kneeling down upright on his knees, and he wore a light blue robe. And I was standing in front of him, and I know I represented each of us. His hands gently reached out for mine, 
inviting me to kneel down with him. And in the vision, as I gave him my hands, I could literally feel the touch of his hands in mine as I knelt down in front of him with my head bowed. And that was the end of the vision. And uh, she gave Isaiah 30 and 15, For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Amen. When you see something that disturbs you, go talk to the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Um, There's nothing to be anxious about. He commands us to be anxious for nothing. Just let our prayers and requests be known unto him, right? And Debbie says, Father, thank you. Let it not be that you would ever have to say of us, but you would not. Amen. That's true. I agree 100%. Well, Lord, we ask you to deliver us from distractions. Lord, uh, we know whenever we set about to do something for you or in you, The devil likes to send distractions. And sometimes we just think it's us. And of course, we think it's very important. But usually it's not. And uh, we ask you, Lord, uh, to help us to enter into the secret place of the Most High. And to wait upon you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And what does he say? They'll mount up with wings as eagles. Amen. And they'll run and they'll not be weary. And they'll walk and they won't faint. Amen. Powerful promises. Well, Lord, help us to abide in you constantly. Help us to hear your still small voice. Uh We ask it in Jesus' name. You know, I find my best times with the Lord at nighttime when um, everybody's in bed and even me also in bed and I'm thinking and talking to the Lord. I can hear Him so much better than all the things that are going on around me, you know. Um... We can hear him so much better. And uh, I talk to him then, and I hear a lot of things for my next day or for the future or whatever. I hear things back from him. And uh, this is a good practice. It's You know, the devil makes you anxious sometimes because you you think you're missing sleep, right? If you spend your time in the Lord and in prayer, and in listening, you find you won't, you're not missing sleep. And that's a, a threat from the devil to make you anxious and troubled, to get you to try in yourself to go to sleep, right? Well, start talking to the Lord. Start rebuking the devil. You'll find it easier to go to sleep when you need to. But otherwise, sometimes the Lord picks these times for us to uh, 
talk to him and get alone with him and listen to what he has to say. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you will will do this for us. Um, I remember years ago, Lord, many years ago, back at the beginning of my walk with you, how we we got into Bible studies that were so interesting and we were so drawn to the Word and the anointing was upon us. And uh, we, uh, many of us, worked during the day, you know, and, uh, and so we're talking about in the evening until the morning that this was happening. We were said such an anointing upon us to learn of the Word, search out the Word, find these wonderful things the Lord was showing us, and so on. And we were getting, for weeks, uh, three hours of sleep a night and getting up the next day to go to work and to come back and to, once again, get into the Word. This went on for weeks. And you know what we all noticed? (laughs) We didn't miss any sleep. We didn't miss any sleep. And uh, it was a miracle to all of us. We were so happy. And I I worked for many years, and um, I would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, get into the Word, and whatever prayers I had to pray before going to work. And um, it just blessed me so. And uh, I would like to say that don't fear missing sleep. Use it. While you're using your sleep to draw close to the Lord, the devil will want to flee from you if he's the one causing the trouble because he really doesn't want you doing that, right? Just make it useful. Make your time useful. Redeem the time, the Bible says, right? Redeem the time. Amen. And uh, draw close to the Lord. This is the time to do it. Um, the Lord is coming. Yes, He is. Not in the way of the world or the worldly church thinks, but He is coming. And He's coming in His first fruits just as He said He would. And He's coming as the latter rain just as He said He would. That's strange. Uh, no, it's not. Hebrews chapter 6, I mean, <laughs> Hebrews, Hosea chapter 6, uh, 1 through 3. <clears throat> he's coming as the latter rain that watereth the earth. And uh, we need to be ready for his coming. And that's what uh, John the Baptist's ministry is all about. The ministry of repentance is all about. It is to prepare us to receive him when he comes. You'll notice that when Jesus came, many were not prepared to receive him because they hadn't repented And they hadn't really listened to John the Baptist who was preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. In these days, we preach a lot about repentance. And it is the spirit of John the Baptist who is going forth to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord to you so you will recognize him. You will cooperate with him. You will move with him. You will be a disciple of His. Amen? So, 
This is very important. These are important days before the coming of the Lord. We don't need to be distracted. We need to be concentrating upon Him and what He desires of us and whatever He wants to show us about ourselves that He doesn't like. I ask Him that question often, and sometimes I get really good answers, and I enjoy them. Once in a while, I get a correction, and uh, that's great because some people hate correction. The fool hates correction. Uh, correction is the way to quickly get in the presence of the Lord. If you're out of His will, out from under the blood, you certainly want to be there in these times that are coming. Judgment is going to fall on those that are not under the blood, like the Passover. Right? Correction is important. One thing I, uh, I know in common about people who fall away, they don't receive correction. And again, the fool is the one who hates correction. They don't receive correction. They explode when they get corrected. Uh, the factious leader is that way. He exploded because we corrected him. We told him you cannot seduce a married woman. And he exploded and started blaming everybody but himself. Uh, okay, so that's, that's evil. This is a fool that does that. Uh, and of course, we had done that like four or five times and with witnesses. So this is not a lie. So in, in every case, when people have fallen away uh, into faction, they would not receive correction. They would not receive correction. The last person we know that fell away, uh, you know, he uh, fell into fornication. We said, you can't do that here. <laughs> you know, he just couldn't believe it. Got mad at us. Can you imagine? Stupid. Really stupid. But that's what happens when those stupid demons take you over. This is like being turned over to a reprobate mind. You have to keep that flesh under, like Paul said, lest he himself would be rejected. He knew that. He said that. He buffeted his body. He beat up that body and made it do what he wanted it to do. We are the same. And that is what? Resting from our works, the old man's works, the old man's thoughts, his mind, his actions. We are here to crucify the whole old man, right? And if we don't lose our life, we will not gain our life. We are here to gain our life. We must consciously, daily die. Like Paul said he did every day. I die daily, right? We must die. We must deny the old man his right to live and to rule that house. He must be a homeless man. Because <laughs> the house doesn't belong to him anymore. It belongs to the spiritual man. He rules the house. If your spirit man rules the house, then your old man is homeless. Amen? And that's good. But you can't let him talk to you because he'll take it back over. He'll take that house back over. Amen? Well, Lord, we just pray and we ask you, Lord, to 
Give us this desire, this earnest desire to be ready for your coming, to listen to the words of repentance that we hear, and uh, which are being spoken really all over the land, but few are listening. Um, but we thank you, Lord, that through repentance, we will be ready to receive your coming. Otherwise, we are not ready. We might even get indignant and get very pharisaical about your coming and not even recognize you, etc., etc. And many will not. I'm talking about people who call themselves Christians. Remember these pharisaical leaders, they were the cream of the crop, you would have thought. And um, they acted like they were at the very height of their religion. Didn't make any difference because they didn't recognize the king when he came. And they crucified him. Much like the wicked do today when they won't receive any correction and they don't believe they need to repent, for goodness sake, you know, they turn on you like mad dogs. Yeah. But they're not ready for his coming, and they will miss it. Worse than the foolish virgins who just didn't stay filled with the Holy Spirit. That's another parable, but still they weren't ready to go with him into the marriage feast. Those disciples, you know, they went with him. They feasted with the Lord. They heard his words. Others were offended. Others from who had the covenant were offended with Jesus, especially religious leaders. They were offended with the man-child. And so they will be this time too. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just a repetition of history. So they will be the same today, offended. Uh, all of the faction got offended about the dumbest stuff and even lies and, of course, slander that people who went on before them spewed into their heart and they accepted and spoke in disagreement with the word of God and the commands of Jesus. If they would have obeyed the commands of Jesus, it would never happen to them. But they were taken out because they were disobedient and were walking after the lusts of their flesh. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. But if you walk after the flesh, you must die. That's what Paul said. And that's a fact. He's talking about those people who walked with them dying. They died. People who walk with us died. They're no longer among the living. Of course, the devil tells them they're the cream of the crop again, you know, but they're no, they're reprobated. They're reprobated. So, Father, we pray that everyone under the sound of my voice here will take the warning to take a, a look at these people and see just how far a person can get from God. Nobody can get farther from God than somebody who's been there and left. They turned back to their vomit like a dog. They went turned back to wallowing in the mire like a hog. This will happen to many people because the Bible speaks about a great falling away in these days. 
when Jesus' ministry started, he began to speak about this falling away among the people whose eyes were blinded and their ears they could not hear. The disciples wanted dearly for Jesus' words to get through to their ex-preachers <laughs> and uh, people, get through to their people, but they couldn't hear it. They were blinded. They were deaf. God turned them over to this because of their constant rebellion, constant going their own way. The biggest thing today is they don't recognize the crucified life as our life, the crucified life. We came here to die. We came here to lose our old life so we could gain our higher life. It's only as the outer man is decaying that the inner man is being renewed. They, they don't take up the same territory in your life. They don't mingle. One is dying. The other is taking his place. Whichever way you're going. As we've said, and so many other people have said too, you feed the black dog, he's going to whip the white dog. And if you feed the white dog, he's going to whip the black dog. That's it. Who does it? Who are you going to feed? Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to listen to? You're feeding on something all of the time through your senses. You're feeding on something. Are you keeping your senses distracted with the things of the world? Or are, or are your senses exercised to discern good from evil and you choose the good? If you know that the Word of God is the seed of the kingdom that brings forth Christ in you who is the Word, then you know that the most important thing in your life is the Word, listening to it. I'm talking about, you know, when your conscience speaks to you the Word or the spirit man speaks to you the Word, listening to it. Um, or when it's being spoken by people, Jesus' words angered people. But they were full of life. Yes, there, he was expecting repentance, but the words were full of life. It changed the people who loved those words and realized that they were for their good. Yes, it was crucifying, and it will be in our day and is in our day too, crucifying. But we have to humble ourselves to the Word of God and put the old man to death. Buffet our body. Bring it into submission, lest we be rejected. If the Apostle Paul could be rejected, you can be rejected. Now, some people have a doctrine that causes them to ignore what Apostle Paul said about that and a lot of other things that the Bible says because they want to live in sin. They don't want to live a righteous, holy life. They don't think it's necessary. But there's no fruit in their life. There's no fruit of Christ in their life, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And because they don't think it's necessary, they've stepped over the line. It's once saved, always saved. And they've accepted Jesus. But like Paul said, Jesus will reject you. 
if you don't put to death your flesh. He said it very plainly. So we're being called to death, to cease from our own works and to enter into His through our faith. When we walk by faith in God and His promises that we don't live anymore, that Christ lives in us, when we walk by faith in that, God empowers us to be obedient. Then it's not our works, it's His works through us. And this is the whole plan of God. He works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. But what causes Him to do that is your faith in His promises. Your confession of His promises. Confess Him before men. If you've got a problem of any kind, go into the Word. Find the promise. Confess the promise. And confess it before men. Watch and see how God brings miracles. But what happens is, when you believe it's yours, you're ceasing from your works. Because the old man is constantly telling you the same way he always got it is got to be the same way you're going to get it now. But he's a liar. Because now you know the Lord. Now you have something to stand on. It's the Word of God. Now the righteous can live from faith. Before, you weren't responsible to live from faith because you weren't righteous and you didn't weren't born of God. But now you're being held responsible to uh, walk by faith. Uh, everybody who walks by faith has miracles from God. They begin to see that God wants to do this thing and he don't really need their help. <laughs> In fact, the old man is always constantly telling you how to help yourself. He's constantly trying to wean you away from the Word of God, you know. And we're constantly commanded to wean him away, right? He's supposed to be homeless. <laughs> the old homeless man, praise be to God. Cast him out. Cast him down. He's your enemy. He's an enmity with God. He's your enemy. He wants you to lose. He wants to bring you to hell, right? The devil uses your flesh. God uses your spirit. Amen. God comes to you through your spirit. The devil comes to you through your flesh. The demons dwell in your flesh. If you're born again, they don't dwell in your spirit, but they dwell in your flesh. And their plan is to wean your soul away from being, from following the Spirit of God to following them and in other people around you. If, if they have, it doesn't matter what demons they might have, those demons will lead them astray and they will lead you astray. And so when you know someone is like that around you and they've got this demon or that demon, it doesn't matter which one they got. In every case, that's an enemy in the camp. It's going to lead them astray. They must repent. And if you, uh, don't, don't be deceived. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. You stay around them. You listen to their voice. You listen to their worldly chatter. It's just like listening to your own old man. You're listening to their old man. 
and they will lead you astray. They will bring destruction to your life. You will become corrupted. Be not deceived. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. And yes, we know we have to put up with relatives sometimes every once in a while. But um, we can we can say gracefully words of truth when God calls us to. And otherwise, we have to shut out a lot of what they say and a lot of their opinions and a lot of their ambitions and the things that they want to do with us and all these things. This is the crucified life. We, we can love them, we can pray for them, and the, we do our best work when we're not with them. <laughs> yeah, because we're not coming under their curses all around them. They're just a curse, everything, all around them. You get tangled up in it yourself. You know, don't, the best way to deal with them in many cases is long distance. Pray and believe. God can do things that you can't, and he can bring them. And, and you can't. So pray. Uh, don't necessarily put yourself in a position to get entangled with them. Don't necessarily do that. Not not saying don't help people and don't give people good counsel and all that. I'm just saying don't get entangled with them. They'll drag you down. Don't make it a habit to uh, fellowship. Fellowship is giving and receiving. We don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We don't want to receive anything from them. If, we, if anything we do when we're around them, we should give them something. And, um, but receiving from them, they don't have anything to give you. All they w- would do is they would be used to drag you down. So have fellowship with the righteous because giving and receiving is is good there. It's all to a good end. Amen. Well, Father, thank you so much for this word today that you've given us, these parables you've given us today. Uh, we love you. We thank you. We, we want to put them to work, Lord. I pray that anybody who didn't understand any of this will go back through it again and listen to it uh, carefully and let and slow down. You can't. We can't do that during this two hours that we... Um, talk about it we can't slow down we have to put it out there but people can slow down when they listen to it and when they go back and study it and they give thought to it and they look at the text you know they can slow down and meditate on it and let it get into their heart so father we ask that for all of the brethren out there in the name of jesus that they would be diligent to prepare the way for the coming of the lord amen All right. God bless you and keep you. We'll do this again. Amen. Good night. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels. Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Can quench my thirsting soul, pure as water made me whole. Let your
your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. darkest night what will be my guiding light the shining rays of red and white Jesus I trust in you oh, sacred heart in you I find mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine oh Jesus I trust in Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. Yeah.